Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Rolling with Disadvantage, the D&D podcast where we won't be playing D&D. As always, I'm your host, Tyler. You know, I've been here a lot, and I think they know this, but I'm your co-host, too. One day, there will be a new host and a co-host. Well, everybody will be very show. Everybody will be very confused. We can pull a, you know, classic Jim on uh, a Dwyer prank. That'd be good. We switch, we just switch roles and you pretend to be me? No, no, no. Where we just have two new people come in pretending to be us and see if uh, anyone notices. Uh, I thought you were referring to the uh, uh, Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. No, I was referring to the one where uh, Jim hired, uh, I don't remember his character in the show, but Randall Park uh, to be Jim. And changed all the pictures and had everyone in the office just go along with it to confuse Dwyer. It was hilarious. I have actually not watched The Office more than some clips. I think we've mentioned that on the show before. Yes. yes. Uh, and it, cause I don't. I, whatever. We don't have to talk about TV. <laughs> we do not. We have bigger fish to fry. I don't know. This is our show about things that you like and I don't, and things that I like and you don't. That's, you know, sometimes. And every once in a while, things work out and we align on things we like or dislike. What did we like the other day together? We, like, fully agreed upon? The the, the healing rule. No, uh, not that. Not D&D oh. related. In our group oh. chat, you and uh, I were, like, fully in sync about something that Jesse uh, was... Ooh. What was it? Um, you know, the problem is that you and Jesse probably posted, like, a hundred thousand things since then. Yeah, and yeah, so... yeah. I have no way of finding it. Yep. But I'm sure it was a thing. Was it about Christian Bale? <laughs> was it about Post no. Malone? No, I, it definitely wasn't that because I actually enjoy Post Malone music. Yeah, but we we were both like, whatever, Post Malone's fine to play the Pokemon concert. Was that it? Maybe. 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 Anyways, sometimes we agree on things. Yeah. Yeah. I did want to I mention uh, some some current events updates for those who are concerned. I did kill all of you in our last session. Did happen. Can confirm. Everybody died. Mind flayers and an elder brain. Gotcha. You know, I don't think it was unexpected. It was not. So. It was unceremonious in its uh, gratuitousness. It was not unexpected, but it still probably hurt. I had a I had a very strong feeling that it was coming. I got a feeling. Uh, you know, I had my character send home letters. Yeah, yeah, you did. Um, prior to the fight, we lived we lived the last night like it was going to be our last night. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I I was fully prepared to die in that fight because you know, you can't go up against that many things that have the ability to eat your brain and not expect to die gotta expect at least one brain getting eaten unfortunately it was does most the of the mind witness eat brains the beholder that's up. been turned no it does not yeah okay so i know at one point it had its tentacles on me and i'm like ah, well i'm fucked it's uh no it just keeps you there and then okay. it can it can kill you but only mind flayers themselves eat the brains the elder brain does not eat brains the mind witness does not eat brains uh so. the mind witness is a beholder that had a little ten- t- tadpole put in it yeah. Classic. Which eye do you put it in? That's the real The question. main one. The main one? Yeah, for sure. If it goes into stock, does it still count? I mean, if it can get to the brain, right? Okay. I don't, know the, physio- I don't know the physi- physiology that closely. 
wasn't there a book once upon a time in third edition that like literally did um like dissections of the various monsters and their anatomy i feel like that's feel like in fifth edition that. books too is that a fifth edition book i don't know was did was that in volos uh it might have been xanthar's there's a hey there's a new book yes that's another current events Maybe thing we'll that we've heard about uh today today is february 23rd what did we yes. hear about today? New book announced. Um, Von Richter's Guide to Ravenloft. Ravenloft, the Shadowfell, Strahdtown, otherwise Which, known as Gothsville. You know, honestly, if it had been like just a guide to the Shadowfell, I think that would have been better. I don't know why they picked going back to Ravenloft. Well, Ravenloft's... Correct me if I'm wrong. One specific area, like a like a demi plane within the Shadowfell. I think, and again, I might be wrong here, but I thought Ravenloft was just its own demi plane that was controlled by Strahd. Uh, it is a pocket dimension. Blah 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 blah. Okay, yeah. I thought it was attached to the Shadowfell, but maybe I, I guess I'm wrong about that. I knew it's it a demi plane. Shadowfell E. Yeah, but I think it's its own thing. I knew it was a demi plane. It's yeah. I guess it's just Castlevania Town, right? It's yeah, just exactly. Uh, it's just like the neighborhood around Stra around Strahd's castle. Yeah. So I feel like I uh, I kind of like I get why they did it because. You know, of the in the announcement, they said, "Hey, the three uh, playtestable races that we just released in February, they're already going to be in the next book in May." So they were already done when we so, saw yeah. them. Yeah. So anything that you playtested, like they might change some words here and there, but they're not going to revamp much of anything between what was playtested, quote unquote playtested. Right. They I might say because I don't typos. think the playtest mattered to what they were doing. No. Ravenloft is a pocket dimension called the Demiplane of Dread, which consists of land pieces called domains. So there's more than one land piece in there, not just Ravenloft. Um, so the Dread Plane, okay. That's cool. The Dread Plane, the Demiplane of Dread has multiple pieces. Ravenloft is only one of them. So Strahd, Strahd has neighbors who are just as powerful as he is. That makes sense. But I, I, I don't like know that. enough about those. I'm going to look into more into that there. Uh, but hey, just wait for the book to come out. We can play. You said it's going to have the races. It's going to have a couple, like one subclass. It'll have goth races, two new subclasses, the uh, College of Spirits for the Bard, and an undead pact for uh, warlocks. Although I really, you know, I, I meant to look this up earlier, but work kind of got in the way of that. I thought there already was an undead warlock. Isn't there one? Uh, the Undying? The, so now we're gonna have the undead and the undying. Yes, the undying. I mean, if those are two separate things, I don't know. But yes, there is an undying. The, well, there is because so there's the undead unearth arcana, and then there's the undying, which is an actual published class already. Yeah. So we're just we're just putting everything out there. I think they're just dumping a bunch of content because the end is nigh, perhaps, and they want to make money. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. It feels. It feels weird, uh, especially coming off the Frost Maiden. Right. You know, I definitely expected them. And I think what they're trying to do is get out of the Forgotten Realms because there aren't a lot of topics and stuff that cover items outside of that. Right. Uh, you know, so maybe that's the goal 
and they didn't want to do like you know they did Eberron, but honestly, like I haven't seen a lot of Eberron content, like like adventures and such. Yes. Um, very Forgotten Realms Fifth Edition is. I've seen a lot of uh, people hoping and praying that Dragonlance will make a comeback, but uh, that you know that's the hope. I have you know, doubts. We'll see. Press F to doubt. Um, so there's a book coming out. We don't know much about it, but we do know that the Goths are going to be in it. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting. That means I could make my um, uh, half undead ghost rogue. You and, can. And just yep. have, have skills have. from ghosts and have chain and skill bonuses from ghosts <laughs> and just make you very you upset. You have a, uh, you know, a hex blood, uh, a hex blood, hex blade is, is what I would <gasps> That's make. genius, actually. Well, considering you are most likely to be my next DM, I'll call him Jonah. It'll be great. Jonah, as in eaten by a whale? No, Jonah Hex is a cartoon character. It's fine. Don't uh, worry about okay. It. Yep. Nope. Didn't miss that. Anyways, uh, played by Josh Brolin of Thanos. Yes. Thing. Yes. 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 I'm aware of it now. Um, you wanted let's do the first half of the show today i mean we're already a little bit in here on wrapping up some other optional rules that you were very upset about that we didn't get to. yes yeah no so especially the the chapter eight stuff for combat so i um, wanted to just, ask you what you so chapter eight is a lot of stuff yes and there are three optional rules in chapter eight correct it's mostly not optional rules it's mostly just how you do things running the game exactly so where are exactly. my optional rules what are we talking about here uh well I use D&D Bound so I don't have page numbers for you I'm sorry just hit me with what they are all uh, but they are three and you will be very familiar with them because they are all uh, old rules uh, flanking classic um, but uh, I think the problem with fifth edition flanking uh, is the optional rule is that it gives advantage yes uh, which I think is too powerful just for a flanking position once upon a time there was just a circumstance bonus I think it was plus two to your plus attack two role. yes yeah. I think that that is a better compromise than advantage because advantage increases your chance of critting. Plus two can't do that. So, so. <clears throat> the this is consistent across fifth edition in that they almost always avoid a flat bonus to something in favor of advantage or disadvantage. Yes, circumstance bonuses are almost null and void. Correct. You know, if I back in the day, if I had the high ground, I got a bonus, right? Like those oh, yeah. kinds of things where I got a plus high one ground, here, plus two here, flanking. plus five oh, yeah. here. That stuff doesn't need advantage or disadvantage. It's very, it's very straightforward. Yes. Um, but again, I think my issue with giving somebody advantage just for being in a flank position is that's too powerful. It does feel that way because you're correct. It does increase. It gives me odds of getting a critical hit or critical failure. I mean, on disadvantage, right? Um, whereas plus two does not increase my chance of getting a crit at all. Yeah, yeah. So I so, I agree with that rationale. I think it's very sound. But you like flanking. You're a big fan of flanking. Yeah, like I, I would only use it with a circumstance bonus as opposed to advantage. I uh, I don't mind it not being there because uh, its existence f essentially forces players to act a certain way. It forces position on people. Like, well, I've got to go there to get the flanking bonus. I don't think it... I mean, it, it, it forced them to do it if they want the bonus. But as is in 5th edition, I think combat is a bit... Uh, Loosey-goosey? No, I was going to say 
flat or boring like there isn't tactical movement really like you know unless you're unless you're you know getting cover or trying to hide again hiding in a fight is very difficult um but like aside from cover there isn't really tactical movement or spacing out from an area effect spell i guess is the only other thing i think this would just add something especially for martial characters to really get them engaged in where they are in relation to what's happening so it's just my philosophy I I don't necessarily agree that combat's flat. I think combat combat's depth is less dependent on the rules and more dependent on the players in 5th edition. Okay. You know, so that you're asking for, you know, you're, you're yearning for flanking data plus 2 bonus because then oh, I'm actively trying to get into this position where I'm being tactical. Um so the depth of combat is based on the the mechanical, numerical, mathematical, tactical bonuses as opposed to me role-playing my character intelligently as a combat tactician, mm-hmm. right? Whereas if I'm a barbarian who's dumb and just hits things, maybe I'm not taking the best combat tactic, but if I'm a champion fighter, right, then I'm going to make sure that I'm utilizing made some mistakes. everything. Yeah. Who's made mistakes? A champion fighter. Yeah. <laughs> you made some mistakes. Uh. <laughs> okay, so what's the second one? Uh, using diagonals back as as uh, five ten movement instead of just always fives. Yeah, that one makes more sense to me. I and I don't know. I, I get they did away with it to streamline the process because having somebody sit there and go five ten five ten five that, that gets annoying. I get it. It's simpler to just say every square movement is five feet. But I mean, you cover more ground if you go diagonally all the way. If it's just all fives, it just that's just the way it is. Correct. Uh, what is the square root of 50? Where's barking my, up the wrong tree? My, my brother is square root, square root Not button I. on this calculator. Square root? Seven, right? So the, the diagonal of a square is about seven feet. Mm-hmm. So if I, covered, if I covered two squares, yeah, that doesn't make sense, right? No, a squared seven, plus B squared. Seven, seven would be 14. That's that sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Me. Yeah. Yeah. So if I go over two squares, it should be fourteen feet, right? Which would would be, if I did five ten, it's fifteen. That's more accurate than two squares being ten feet. Yes. So mathematically, and and logically, right? If I went on diagonals, it shouldn't just be five feet, five feet, five feet, five feet. That and you already use that, you know, five ten method for calculating radial spells. Right. Exactly. Because otherwise, everything would be a cube. Everything would be a cube. Exactly. Oh. So I agree with you. I think we should bring that one back. Bring it back. Both because it's more realistic. And it's not that hard to add fives. You know, but but then like if somebody's like doing the math and then they're like, oh wait, let me go back and oh wait, did I already move it, it I, I can see where it can get confusing. I think people need to get good. It's like people who when they roll like three D sixes can't add those numbers up quickly. Learn basic math. Well it's two and what? it's five and it's three. That's ten. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Get good at math. I'm not really kidding. Basic math. It's yeah. four and it's four Cal- and it's six. Calculus, 14. But, you know, it's one, it's one, and it's five, it's seven. Easy. I'm not asking you to do complicated math here, people. Five plus ten plus five is twenty. Get good. <laughs> That's what I'm saying is get good. At math. At math. Grade school level math. Literally like fourth grade level math at best. Oh man, no! You're doing you're doing that math in second, third grade. I know. I I'm saying at best because sometimes okay. you, sometimes 
you know, people can be dumb. Yeah, fourth grade was long division, right? Um, fourth grade was, yeah, I remember very long decimals, having to learn how to say the, like the actual words yeah. for decimals. Tenths and thousandths. Like two and, and 52 thousandths, you know. Yeah. Like, fuck you, it's 2.052. <laughs> like, like, we had to stand up there in the front of the class and, like, read a number accurately. Like, that was that was fourth grade, I think. I remember, it was either fourth grade or fifth grade when we would do, uh, for fun, it was the fun activity in class, uh, you would do uh, around the world mathletics yeah uh, where you stood next to somebody teacher asked a question first one to answer correctly moved on and whoever got the most spaces around the room won i don't think i did that particular one. Oh yeah that was intense we had uh, you were third grade you had times tables nine times three 27 right so like but it was a race yes right times tables was, and i when i was in third grade there was one girl who was the my only competitor in the times tables speed math mm-hmm. she was the only one who had a chance of beating me and i was very competitive with her doing math better than her yes i i also did not lose the the math early math once it got to high school math i i think i just had completely lost interest but prior to that i was also yes very competitive in math for some stupid I reason. Feel like for me D D has helped keep my basic and even a little more advanced math like fresh like i'll be i'll be working with another human at my job and we'll be um you know working on a a a layout of a page and using um in some instances we'll use pica which is a measurement in graphic design Mm -hmm. and i'll be like doing the math converting from pica to something else and like how are you doing that so quickly i'm like it's it's fucking basic ass math (laughs) see my job uh, not D&D, but my job definitely keeps me up on math because I have to always go from converting from pounds to hundred weights to tons to metric tons. To stones. I mean, we don't use stones. No one uses stones. So the English use stones. So because uh, only only Brits do that yeah. and Brits don't make steel. So it's not a problem. for Well, me. the point is bring back the 510 travel rule. Yes. And get good at math. Yeah. All right. What's your uh, last one? Last one uh, is uh, facing, where you're, especially in a miniature set arena, you literally have your characters miniature face whatever direction they're facing, uh, in order to verify what they're seeing on the battlefield. Um, if somebody can attack them from behind and get advantage and things like that, um, and I think that just would require way too much upkeep on a board. Correct, and uh, designating a forward and a backward yeah. on all pieces. Yeah, exactly. And so, it, you, your facing isn't static in a combat scenario. Exactly. Um, I, I think this was essentially um, an idea uh, to like kind of give people another way to get advantage, but I don't like it. Um, it feels much more war gamey, like Warhammer. Back yeah. In the day. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really about that life. Um, Again, because it it feels it makes the game feel, it makes the turns feel more static as they are, mm-hmm. and and then I'm more concerned also with rotating my figure, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, I didn't mean to actually be facing that way, you know, kind of thing. I can every two seconds it would be, oh, I actually meant to be like this. Oh, I actually meant to be like yeah. this. That's yeah, that's not one that that one, that's not one that feels easy or natural. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, it's easy to rotate the thing, um, 
but it's not it's not natural to be con- concerned with the f- orientation of your piece. Yeah. Especially on roll 20 where like it just is oriented as it is and rotating it is kind of a like you have to grab a little tiny handle to do it. Indeed. Um, so I yeah, I'm kind of against that one. Indeed. Generally Agreed. speaking. So you were just focused on the combat variant rules yes yes and then there's there's other ones but those are the ones that i was interested in so here's one that's um not a variant rule so to speak but uh it's it's in it's in the combat section Mm -hmm. i want to get your opinion on it monsters and critical hits okay a monster follows the same rules for critical hits as players according to the rules as written yeah Right, you, although you can use the average damage and multiply it instead. Yeah. So I don't have the monsters crit you. Yeah, not, we we never have. I mean, we used to years and years and years and years and years ago. But right, but ever since we've been competent players, I haven't had the monsters crit you. Yeah. Um, because there's just so many of them getting so many rolls. Correct. It's absurd. They like I, I'll, if they roll twenty, they'll still hit, but they won't do critical damage. Absolutely, because you you suffer so many more potential blows than any one encounter. Right than yeah. they do yeah but as written right monsters crit i think mm-hmm. many dms still do this i think oh, matthew th- mercer notably among them does this there's a reason that the grave cleric has the feet to cancel crits there's a reason that adamantine armor exists yeah right to nullify critical hits mm-hmm. but it's in here like but we're, we don't use this right so it's ineffective is it am i, am I just homebrewing or am i making the right call um I think that we're doing what's best for our group. And so it's definitely a homebrew. You're homebrewing your up homebrewing the rule that it doesn't exist anymore. In my in my hypothetical make the best combat party you can, the monsters will crit. Well, uh you know, after our last combat encounter, um, and the number of times that people tried to make range attacks in melee combat. Uh, You're not feeling and, so hot about your good combat party, are you? And the number of times that people didn't just, I don't know, ready in action instead of attacking without the best chance of hitting or doing damage. Yeah, no, I'm not feeling like uh, heavy combat is the way to go. You know, back on that, I think you guys did, you get you got real close to succeed. Got real close. Very, yes. very close. A few better rolls here and there. But I was shocked every once in a while at in going leading up to the big fight, right? Because by the time you got to the big fight, there were some feeble mm-hmm. minds in play, um, yeah. literally. Uh, leading up to that, I was shocked the occasional like interesting decision that was being made, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know what was going on there, personally. I don't know if I was just tired or what it was. If you have, if you have one that I did, I can explain it. But anyone else, I cannot explain. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't explain it, but I, I was a little surprised by some combat choices being... Although, I want you to compliment me that the NPC you were fighting with, the, the main one, not the backup group, she Sandra? she followed your instructions to the letter. Yeah, oh, oh no, you were, you you did exactly what I was hoping for. Yeah. Perfectly. No, normally, you give NPC, NPC instruction, and I ignore them. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that was wonderful. And no, she, she used she, good abilities and did everything she was supposed to. I, I don't even know what the fuck she was doing half the time. Homebrew. Yeah, I assume she stuff. was just making up. Yeah. Because I'm like, I, I've played several rangers and none of them can do that nope. shit. She's a cool drow ranger. Get over it. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. So that's, that's wrapping up your optional rules bits. 
There is one that was in Xanthar's that I do want to cover. Okay. Uh, sleeping in armor. Uh, uh, how do you rule on sleeping in you're armor? You're not sleeping in armor typically. There you go. Exactly. You don't do it. Right. Uh, I, I you rule can't complete way. a long rest if you're sleeping in armor. Completely agree. 100%. People argue because, oh, but if I'm out in the wilderness, so I wouldn't take off my armor, I might get ambushed. I'm like, yeah, you might. That can be... So I actually really like Xanthar's variant ruling uh, for sleeping in armor. And this says sleeping in armor, ha- sleeping in light armor has no adverse effect on the wearer. Sure. Fine. But sleeping in medium or heavy armor makes it difficult to recover fully during a long rest. When you finish a long rest during which you slept in medium or heavy armor, you regain only one quarter of your spent hit dice. If you have any levels exhaustion, the rest doesn't reduce your exhaustion level. But you get all your hit points back. You get your hit points, you get your spells back, but there's still a penalty for doing it. I feel like I'd rather it stay at half your hit dice and you just get half your maximum hit points back. So that that's also a way. I, I'm actually, I think I'm going to use the Xanthar's variant for sleeping armor in a future campaign that I run. Yeah, there should be, there should be rules to do it. Like, yes, okay, I, I am a trained warrior. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a fucking marine. I can sleep sitting up in my armor and be fine with my eyes open. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. right. Like there should be a variant for that. I mean, it's it's still not going to be as good as taking your armor off and laying on the ground. But mm-hmm. you, it should be. I agree, Zan. There's that rule should exist that you can take a penalty and take a hit for it. Um, yes. But yeah, because you're right. There's people out there who do that. Mm-hmm. But maybe not at level one. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe make it a feat even then. Oh. That you know that could be cool, or even like um, you can sleep in heavy armor if your constitution score is higher than X, you know, kind of thing. Okay. In my Monday group, we actually, if you sleep in your armor, you have to make a con save at the end of the rest to see if you got the rest. I like that. So I think that's fine. There's a number of different ways. I don't know about the quarter. I, I did, I'm just for that for specific one. Not a fan of getting all of your hit points back. So well, so what's interesting is after we've talked. I'm going to combine this rule with the having to use hit dice to regain health at any time. And I think then it makes it even better. Because if you have to spend yes. hit dice to get health back and, and only, you only get a quarter of your hit dice back. I'm, full, I'm sold on armor. that combination of rules. Fully, yeah. fully sold on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that a lot. Big fan. Okay. We've, we've wrapped up the optional rules you want to talk about. We're done with that, people. It was a longer journey than we anticipated, but I Much hope longer. you've gotten some insights onto some optional rules and maybe thought of something. Hey, I'm going to change my game. Because you know what? I see a lot of conversations online these days about, well, let's play a new game. And you know, mm-hmm. we're encouraging one of our players to, to do a cyberpunk or what's it called? Um, Starfinder? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a cyberpunk game. The setting is going... It's not going to be necessarily cyberpunk red or 2020. Um, you know, it may be Shadowrun, uh, maybe Starfinder set in a right. cyberpunk So we're encouraging scenario. him to, to branch out. And a lot of people are, but I also think that using these optional rules or homebrew rules to spice up your game can be just as satisfying as trying something new. Absolutely. Completely agree. Okay. All right. People, we're going to take a quick break and be right back. And we're back. Hey, oh, go on. So, I, I was having discussion, things came up, etc. etc. How do you do passive skills in a game? Passive Describe for the perception, 
Yeah, I'll say passive perception. Passive perception, passive insight. Or is the two Let's say big passive ones. perception. How how does it work in your game? How does it function? Passive perception. The the most stereotypical case is you are, you know, you're, you're navigating the wilderness. You're walking. Mm-hmm. Someone tries to sneak past you. Yep. They roll stealth against your passive perception. Okay. They either get they either succeed or they don't. You see them or you don't. Okay. Like that's that's the the most obvious one. Can my so so we'll call it active if i'm actually rolling perception can my active perception ever be lower than my passive perception yes because the distinction is in the book or not in this dm's guide it's like in adventures right like in in lost minds of fandelver if you're trying to specifically find tracks or something right you're making a active perception check if you if you say i'm trying to do this specific thing then you're making an active perception check you are wrong, according to Jeremy Crawford. Oh, okay. Go on, Jeremy Crawford. Jeremy Crawford, uh, and, and so, somebody brought this up to me, and I was like, you know, I, I said the exact same thing you said about passive and active and whatnot, and he pointed me to uh, a uh, interview that Jeremy Crawford did, uh, and it lasted for, you know, they went back and forth on this for like seven minutes, and so they gave us a... Uh, there's a transcript of it online uh, talking about it. And he explains that passive perception is always on. It is always on. And it really represents the floor of your perception or insight or investigation. That is the lowest that you would ever have in your skill check for that ability. So really, when you make the role, the active role, all you're trying to do is see if you can get higher than your passive number. If you fail, and this is word for word, if you fail to, well, again, your passive perception score is still active. It is effectively creating that minimum. Huh. Yeah. I don't know if I like that. So according to the game, that is how I like the way we do it. So my rationale is that my passive perception is I'm not distracted I am actively attentive, mm-hmm. listening, looking, smelling, right? Mm-hmm. But if I am specifically trying to like peer around a dark hallway and notice something, then I'm not focusing on my other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm actively trying to do... Uh, I don't know. Now, I don't know. Because, okay, I pulled it up. Lost Minds of Fandelver, a lot of the checks... We'll say things like, um, where'd it go? Hold on. Secret doors are made of stone and blend in with the surrounding walls. Uh, Spotting a secret door from a distance of no more than 10 feet without actively searching for it requires a passive wisdom perception score of 15 or higher, whereas a character who takes time to search the wall can find the secret door with a successful DC 10 wisdom perception check. Secret doors swing open on hidden hinges and are not locked. That kind of thing, right? But then you have other areas where it's like, creatures can make a DC 15 wisdom perception check to attempt to hear activities in nearby chambers. It doesn't say creatures who have a passive perception check of 15 hear the activity in nearby chambers. But that is exactly what Jeremy Crawford intended with passive scores, is that if your passive is 15, you can never have lower than 15 on a perception check. Okay, I guess. So. Okay, sure. That, that was something that I found very interesting. I don't know if I agree with it. I'm still taking the time to process it. It makes hidden things less of an obstacle. 
Mm. If you, I mean, if you have, you know, good perception on average, you know, an elf will have what three, four perceptions. So like a 13 or 14 passive perception, right? Any rogue can get past that. So this is my point, right? A cleric elf cleric, you're stacking wisdom. Cool. You've got a, have so you got a five, you got a 15, so 15 passive. You got a 15 passive. Yeah. That meets the threshold for a medium difficulty challenge. Actually, I think yeah. it's a hard difficulty challenge for a DC check. Yeah, because medium's 10, easy's 5? No. Yes. I, I can't remember offhand. I'll have to look it up. But 15 is fifteen is a substantial encounter in terms of difficulty checks, difficulty class, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So as a DM, no one, 99.9% of players aren't going to have less than 10. So there's no reason for me to include things that are technically easy encounters for that are hidden right yeah every everything that would be an easy pass easy perception check to see Mm -hmm. is not a check yep so there's no in theory there's no such thing as a poorly concealed door it just is a visible door Mm -hmm. so every every significant bad guy you fight would be if they wanted to hide a door, would have to make a really, really well hidden door. Yes. There's no, exactly. there's no like, uh, what's a good example of this? There's no just like shitty door behind some vines that you just miss. Exactly. You're always gonna see it. If and it makes things like the alert feet that much better because you have plus five to your passive perception. Oh, fucking. You know, you'll never miss anything. And I think that's and that, and once I read this and once I understood what he was saying, it really made me rethink about why certain feats and things give advantages and give bonuses to passive skills. Like it makes more sense now. Yeah. I don't disagree outright. I'm just trying to wrap my mind around it. Yeah. So that was, that was what I want to come back on. It blew my mind a little bit and I'm still kind of processing it. Uh, I don't know if I will use that even though it is the rule as given by the creator of the rules. Imagine like when you wrote the rules, just getting it right and not having to put out sage advice and interviews and tweets every fucking day to clarify your rules. Uh, well, imagine just getting it right. Wouldn't that be wild? You'd have to make a much more simplistic game. You already tried to make a simple. I think, I think the opposite. I think it's make a more complex game to get it right. The simple well, game then you leaves just, all well, these then you gaps. Well, then you just go back to 3.5. Yeah. When there were just 30 books of rules and like 50 adventures, you know? It's rules for everything. Yeah. What is, What are we without rules? Society. All right. That was like a half topic. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I just wanted to get it on that. You have another small minor topic you wanted to chat about. Yeah. So... I was more of a conceptual about it. thing. Yeah. And and I don't really have a great way to say it, but I want to talk a bit about polar spells and if there's a way to use spells in maybe ways that they weren't intended to cancel out other spells. So what's an example? Um so I think just polar spells you obviously the common ones are always involving Healing and hurting things. So, you know, heal versus harm, cure wounds versus inflict wounds, and things like that. But other than those specific instances, I feel like everything is either 
do the magical effect or counterspell dispel magic. Like, like I feel like those are the things, and I don't feel like there are higher level versions of that. Like, there's no mass um, dispel magic. There, no. There's no, you know, like, you know, just like there's a mass cure wounds, which kind of takes the place of getting hit by a fireball or some shit. There isn't really a mass way of canceling things out. So counterspell exists as the natural balance to magic, exactly. right? But it balances out everything. Yes. So there's a couple that are still in the realm you're talking about. Um, like contagion is balanced mm-hmm. against cure, remove disease, right? Yeah. And or the, poison. And there's rather. bestow curse and remove curse. Right. Um. So more to what I'm wondering is this. What can I do something such as I know for a fact that that fucking wizard over there loves nothing more in this world than casting fireball. He is going to fireball me on his next turn. Can I ready an action to cast cone of cold to counter the effects of the fireball? Can I use a a spell to do something that might not be actually what it's intended to do, but Kind of makes sense, nonetheless. I mean, if you had the range on Kona Cold, like, are you asking like to bend the rules of Kona yeah, Cold? Yeah, to bend the rules. Exactly. I mean, if I'm going to waste my fifth level spell to counter your third level spell, sure, fine. Uh, Would you say sure to that? That's my question. Uh, I mean, in theory, I, uh, I maybe will make, make you make an Arcana check, right? Because that's not mm-hmm. the intended, that's not the magic you necessarily know. Yeah. Right? I, especially if I'm like a sorcerer, and I don't really know how magic works. I just do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't necessarily have the knowledge to kind of twist the magical weave like that. Mm-hmm. But every every instance of like good sword and sorcery fantasy books and movies has somebody doing that. Mm-hmm. They, oh, they yeah. manipulate the magic to do something unintended, especially in like a counter spell. I, I'm literally like, you know, I'm imagining plenty of those movies and books where one dude is casting the red ray and the other guy is like, oh, I got a blue ray. And they just kind of are pushing back and forth. Like, there isn't really spells that do that, but I would like, I feel like that would be fun. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I agree with you. And if you can, if you have prepared, right, the right spell, uh-huh. and, and I think just the Arcana check, not really high, right? 10, 12 can do it i don't see why not as long as it's an equal or higher level spell that that's the thing it's just like counterspell would have to be of an equal or higher level to counteract it so you know fireball cone of cold is a good example some of them are a little more challenging like how do i counter a lightning bolt that's maybe something like um mold earth uh, or yeah exactly or use like stone skin real fast to counter it or something right you know because that's some of the more um, dramatic parts i again i'm thinking about something i refer to all the time the wheel of time mm-hmm. uh a lot of the magic in that for the for the character for the male spellcasters because the entire art of spellcasting for men has essentially been lost is intuiting how to cast spells and how to counter spells. Um, so it's very much exactly what you're talking about. Like he just like reads the weaves that other people are using and manipulates and uses them that way. It's like you can see the magic taking form and you alter yours to like undo theirs. Yeah. Or like, do can I use uh, can I use uh to counteract 
cloud kill? Can I ready like a high level um, uh, gust spell or something to just create wind that gust counteracts the poison? You know, or can I uh, use uh, create water against acid to dilute it enough so that it doesn't hurt? You know, things like that. I was thinking about it and I'm like, this could be fun to try and figure out. Uh, yeah, I think as long as the magic is powerful enough, I that if a player said that to me in game, like I I have a feeling he's gonna cast fireball. I'm gonna ready an action to cast cone of cold if an enemy walks in my range, or to try and nullify the fireball. I'm like really. I would be so intrigued that I probably would try to let it happen. Good, good. I feel the same way. Because that's the main line for me. If somebody's doing something that's intriguing and not just like, no, you can't fucking do that stupid ass, uh, that could be really fun. That would make the player feel good, mm-hmm. right? It would feel like they, especially because then that makes the combat encounter more interesting because they're not just using Cone of Cold to blast some bodies. They're using Cone of Cold in a really interesting way. Exactly. Um and it really, I think it really spoke to me because I am a very mechanical, tactical person in combat scenarios, even as a DM. Like, typically I'll say, somebody will say, oh, can I jump across this cavern and uh, swing on a chandelier and do three flips and land and stab this dude? And I'll be like, do you have the movement? You know, do, do you have this ability? You know, do you have acrobatics trained? And like, I'll, I'll really break it down, but this kind of thing opens my mind to being more loose and flowing and fun with how the game is played. This does open you up to the bad guys being able to do this. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Right. Which can be nasty. Um, especially given the number of bad guys you encounter, you know, mm-hmm. they could, but not, you know, I don't make a great deal as, as any party would have, you know, one or two spellcasters. Bad guys, I try to keep like a similar ratio. Like not all of them are going to be spellcasters. Yeah, but the best big bad but encounter the big is bads, the big yeah. bad with spellcasters on the sides who are just ready to counter spell and, and oh, pick no, people off. Big, no, the big bad's a spellcaster and then he's got goons that do the herding. Yeah, but if you have a goon that can also counter spell. Yeah, you did that. That was very annoying. Especially because <laughs> I was a warlock that only had two spells. <laughs> hey, you know what? I honestly counter spell as a spell. I've never had, I've never been on the receiving end of a counterspell and thought, okay, that's fair. I've always thought, fuck that. Every time. I fucking <laughs> hate counterspell because it's not exciting, right? And that's what you're talking no. about. It's just, yeah. I use my reaction to counterspell. Yep, you don't have to prepare anything. It just happens. Cool. Well, I guess I don't get to take a turn this turn, right? You. Yep, you get to move and, you know. And that, I've said it several times in the show, that's the core of what I think a game is. A game is getting to do things. And actions that remove autonomy from a character almost always feel bad. When I killed you all this week, you and several instances were paralyzed, right? Yes. And I watched you skip, I don't know, four or five turns before you were dead. And every time I was like, God, that sucks. <laughs> I Like, I know it sucks. And counterspell feels the same way. So I think I think your idea is a much better way to flavor counterspell at the very least, where your character not like they have to ready an action, right? So they're they're giving up a resource in order to do something fun. Yeah, exactly. I'm on board with it. I dig it. And then and then classes like the druid that don't get counterspell can still effectively negate somebody else's action. 
but yeah. in a fun way that requires planning and effort. Here's a big one. How do you counter finger of death? Um, well, and see, and there's probably some that you can't like. You can't counter magic missile. Shield is the counter to magic yeah, missile. Yeah, naturally. I guess shield. Um, but yeah, you can't do another spell that counters it. There's nothing really. So finger death, it. seventh level, sixty uh, feet, see, seventy-eight plus thirty. I, I I might also you know with this I might say you can't bend you can't like do this kind of bendy magic above like fifth level because at like seventh level I don't see that like they, there's you could say heal or oh how about i ready a resurrection it's literally what i had up on my screen i was like <laughs> what about a seventh let's level seven i ready resurrection so, so yeah so you channel the energy you don't spend the you know i think it's an hour to cast it's an hour and it's a yeah. diamond so but but you take out the diamond and you just focus the energy of it to counter the finger of death. That'd be fun. Yeah, right. And maybe not even eating the diamond, but like still burning a seventh level slot uh, to I'd counter a seventh diamond. level slot. I'd make you're gonna make a burn and, a thousand gold piece diamond. Yeah, and but then I mean you're countering finger of death. There has to be a fucking cost to this. So maybe you have to have the diamond, but like eating it. Okay, you don't eat it. You just have it. Yeah. And it absorbs that dark energy. Like you can't Maybe do it, it becomes a black your, diamond after the fact. You can't, through cool. it, you can't use it through your divine focus. You have to have the diamond. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, right? So the resurrection is a seventh level spell. So I think that, you so know. So you take, yeah, you know this bitch is trying to kill this dude. And you know she's going to finger death. So you pull out your diamond. You take your turn and you just wait. Right. Now, again, power word kill. Ninth level spell. Isn't there power word heal? Uh, uh power word power would kill power would pain power would stun. Oh, power would heal is that ninth level i didn't think it was oh seventh level no i i don't have i'm not logged into the right D beyond so wait you have multiple D beyonds i have mine and the other than the other one um it is not double spell power would heal okay well there you go that one that one's naturally there yeah i mean okay i think this is worth trying maybe do a one shot try it out like a mm -hmm. mid-level one-shot where you have access to like fourth, fifth level Where spells. everybody is a spellcaster and we see who can bend what. Or even just a, a half spellcaster and, you know, oh, I'm going to... Oh, well, here's the big question. Like, can I manipulate this? So, oh, I want to smite. Aha! I counter your smite. So, yeah, and I think there are some things that, you know, you just can't counter. Prestidigitation. Without counterspell, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um... You know what you're you're referring to in the anime Bleach? Ah, yes. They invert their spirit power or whatever it is to nullify other people's spirit power. Is that what it's called? You know, it was called like no spirit I, pressure. Spirit pressure. I feel like I watched a lot of Bleach, but I I, I think I recall what you're talking. It's been a while. It was remember, not a great show. You know, season one and most of season two, very good. I will say that when I don't remember the dude's name, but Ichigo when, Kurosaki. Oh, Zenpachi uh, Kenpachi Zaraki. Okay, I love Kenpachi. Okay, one of my favorite Bleach moments, actually, now that you bring up Kenpachi, <laughs> is the moment that he's like, "I've ne no, 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 no." The moment that Kenpachi, who's always just used one hand, is like, "Maybe I'll use two. <laughs> and suddenly he just became a god. And I think he was fighting the Espadas at the time, and just. Beat the living piss out of them after that. That was every fight with him was always, I've just been awesome all the time. I guess I'll try a little harder. Yeah. Like, oh, I always wear bells in my hair so people know where I am and shit like that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think it was season two, like the, the the quintessential moment. He's fighting Ichigo. 
And he's like, well, I, ha- I wear this eye patch to eat my spirit pressure because I generate yeah. so much. So I'm just going to take this off. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like crushes people around him. You know, it's just stupid. Anyways, I think that's a, a thing in that show. So, Oh, yeah. But when the uh, when the dude that was a captain turns out to be the bad guy, mm-hmm. that moment is one of the best moments in anime history, in my opinion. Yeah, season one, season two, very good. After that, it you know got a little weird with the with yeah. like the half the masks, hollow. The hollows. Yeah. And, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that wasn't pleasant. Okay. Uh, well, I think that's, that's uh, wrapping it up for today. Happy days, everybody. Everyone enjoy our Bleach podcast, which will be starting next week. Starting our anime podcast. We talk about Bleach, and we talk about Castlevania, and we talk about One Piece. I've, oh, no. I, I can't. No, I've never watched One Piece before. <laughs> I, like, I don't give a fuck about One Piece. I, there's, I think there's just honestly too much for me to try to Isn't get into it like it now. 500 episodes? There's a lot. Yeah. I'm just going to Google this really quick. How many One Piece episodes are there? Uh, cannot compute. Wait, wait, wait. One Piece is a Japanese animated television series based on the successful manga of the same name and has 963 episodes. It does? That's what the Wikipedia just first line says. Maybe episodes are books. Here, wait. I'm going to IMDb for this. Yeah. Did you know One Piece started in 1999? I did not know that. I mean, I've never cared. <laughs> um... There are cast. Welcome uh, to our... So, uh, and you know, I assume Luffy's in almost all of them, but as of 2019, they have Luffy is in 705 episodes of anime. So it, there is a distinct possibility there's more than 700. There's too much. Yeah. I can't. So, all right, welcome to our anime podcast. Um, yeah. We talk about uh, Evangelion talk about and Berserk and Evangelion and Kill those, Kill, those uh, Sword Art Online. Ooh, I can go for days on Sword Art Online. Code Geass. Uh, don't know that one. Code Geass is great. Are you fucking kidding don't, me? Don't know that one. Oh my god. Don't Arguably, like w- the best two seasons of anime, just because the ending is so good. Like one of the, anyways. We can talk about all the Adult Swim ones, you know, Trigun and Cowboy, Cowboy Bebop. Bebop and, yeah, each, yeah. Uh, Inuyasha, classic. Oh, yeah. oh, no, it wasn't. Talk about having a lot of episodes <laughs> right there. All right, that's it, everybody. Happy days. Welcome to the show. How do I end this? Make sure to subscribe and rate the show wherever you found it. Spotify, Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at RWD Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at RWD underscore podcast. How's the Instagram going? So far, so good. Send we have it. almost matched our Twitter followers. Hey, nice. I don't do enough on Twitter. So uh, send us your D&D rants at rwdpodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't checked out at Onslaught 6 Kickstarter, go do that. Looks like it's still doing good. He's last got about $2,000 raised for his project now. So. Yeah. Uh, and as always, we will see you next time. Till then. Goodbye. Thank you.